Hey, this is Andy Jenkins, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to continue where I left off last week. Last week, I talked about success, and the idea was this, that success is living up to your God-given potential in every area of life. Not living up to mine, not living up to someone else's, living up to yours. And where we eventually landed was saying something like this. So often, we think that if success is going to be our God-given potential, that it's just going to miraculously combust and be there. And what I said was, no, most of the time, what it looks like is a long obedience in the right direction, doing small things consistently well. The issue with some of those small things is they often seem tedious. They often seem... Oh, kind of like a struggle. And, and, and I know you think, well, that, that wouldn't be right. But you think about parenting. Goodness. I mean, parenting is the most beautiful and most frustrating thing that I think you will ever do, yet the reward is worth it. And so many of us want to be successful in the area of parenting. You, you think about marriage. Okay, let's just be real. That is one of the most awesome, incredible gifts. And you go, golly, that's that's a unique area of of challenge as well. And so success is, and this is true whether it's your health or business, and I said it should be in every area of life. We want to be successful in our fitness, we want to be successful in our finance, we want to be successful in our family, with our spouse, with our kids, with our extended family, even with our parents, even as we're grown. We want to be successful in whatever field it is that we work, whether it's as a student or it's a stay-at-home parent or it is as a career that we're building working for someone or as an entrepreneur. We want to be successful in our faith life. We want to even be successful in the area of friendships and relationships and fun. We want this to be well-rounded. And so today I want to continue that conversation. Before I do, and before I get there, I want to invite you to go down to the show notes and do a couple things. Number one, follow the links off and wherever you're listening to the podcast today, if you'll rate it and review it, that will do me a tremendous service because it will let other people know uh, to check check the show out. And particularly, it will let those podcast providers know, those platforms know to share that show or to suggest it uh, with others who might be looking for similar content. The second thing is I would highlight to you that the Advanced Planner, from which I've derived some of these talks, it is absolutely free in the link at the show notes below. Uh, You can download the PDF. There is a hardback that you can purchase. But what I would invite you to do is just, first of all, there are so many great day planners out there. And I I use pen and paper. You can probably hear it right there. That's, That's mine. Most of the things I, quote, build are in the digital space. Uh, yet the, the planner is something I do with pen and paper so that I can write down ideas, I can think. I believe the neurological process of that is completely different and better. You remember things when you're writing them down. There's a certain uh, convenience to it as well. And so I've really gone back to that even as I go to digital. Um, but you can download that totally free. There's great planners out there. This is one of many. And so I would say download it and take it for a test drive. And if you want to buy it, you can buy it uh, a one-off as a hardback, or you can buy three and get one free, and I'll unlock the video course that explains it completely for you. Also, in the show notes, here's this one's huge. I've got a new app that has just come out, and one of the things I'm doing to get the word out about that 
is just unlocking a lot of content in it totally free. And so the audiobook for the advanced material, it is free. Uh, from yeah, There's several versions of that book. One is kind of the 400-page book, and one is like the 150-page book. 150-page book, the audio book, completely free. You can buy it on Audible, but just go download it free in the app. And the Soul Wholeness audiobook in the app, completely free. There's some other uh, great resources for you there, but I really want to highlight uh, particularly that advanced book since I'm talking about things uh, during kind of this series within the podcast related to life planning and goal setting and living out really the purpose for which you were created. Okay, all that said, here's here's the main idea today. It's, it's the law of the harvest. And it, the law of the harvest is this, that you... I'll repeat it a couple times. You always reap what you sow. You always reap where you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. And you always reap after you sow. So let me just say it like this. You always reap what, where, more than, and after you sow. Say it again. What, where, more than, and after. What, where, more than, and after. This is completely important has everything to do with the previous talk because that whole long obedience doing small things in the same direction okay the law of the harvest has everything to do with that it, it comes from the idea of farming you, you think about a farmer Jesus told parables of farmers use things like sowers and seeds and that sort of thing you think what what is the smallest thing a farmer has in his arsenal, and, and yet the most powerful thing, it is the seed. And, and what I'm saying is those, those small actions you do every day to take you towards your dreams, they are just like that seed. They are equally small, and they have potentially the same powerful output. Okay, and, and, and this is important. You can't microwave a harvest. You can't cram a dream. Uh, you, you, you have to endure the time. You have to exercise the patience. You have to, and so often, I, I think the process often is as important as the payoff of, of what you see. You have to move through that process. And the process doesn't just create the final result. Sometimes the process actually enhances and transforms you and me in that struggle. Now, sowing and reaping, the law of the harvest, it is a principle that goes back to creation. It is because it's part of creation, it is the way things work. It's like the law of gravity. The law of gravity, you can say, I don't believe in it. I don't want to participate. It is still the way things work. If, if you don't like the law of gravity and you think it's unfair, you think it's biased, it still works. It still, despite your protest, comes out exactly like it comes out. And so this, I get it, this, this law of the harvest, it has been abused by churches. It has been abused by evangelists. It has been abused by all kinds of life coaches and people of faith. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been misused. But, but I would remind you, 
Sex has been misused and abused. Money has been misused and abused. Fire has been misused and abused and with great destructive purposes, yet we we lean in to all three. And we see the beauty and the usefulness of all three. And my hope is, after talking about the law of the harvest, you'll see the usefulness and how this can actually encourage you and empower you. Now, here's the principle. Like begets like based on some um, something already inside of the first like. Okay, that, that's kind of a way to <laughs> say it simply. Somehow we've, we've assumed that the law of the harvest only applies to biology. Like if you go to Walmart and get some seeds, you go to Home Depot and get some seeds, you throw a tomato seed in the ground, you're going to get a tomato. We think, or we've applied that only to biology, but, but what I'm saying is this infuses every area of life. And I think it really, it really might have something to do with what Moses says in Deuteronomy fifteen ten. He actually taught the the children of Israel. He said, "Whatever you put your hand to prospers. Whatever you put your hand to prospers." You've probably used this with your kids. Hey, look, if you put your hand to prospering and gri- you're going to prosper. If you put your hand towards griping and complaining, you're going to get more griping and complaining. If you want to be a f- have more friends, then be a friend. If, if you, you see, like we we kind of know this language. Again, here's the four principles that I alluded to earlier about the law of the harvest. Okay, so you always reap what you sow. You always reap where you sow. You always reap more than you sow. You always reap after. Okay, let's repeat it. What, where, more than, after. What, where, more than, after. Let's break it down and go one by one. What, where, more than, after. You always reap, number one, what. What you sow. Okay, so the first principle is that you receive back exactly what you put in the ground. Farmers all know this. I would even say kindergartners get this one too. You plant corn, you're going to reap corn, not a watermelon. If you plant squash, you're not going to harvest an orange. It sounds odd, but when we apply this to real life, you know, like our dreams, marriage, uh, finance, uh, faith, health, and fitness. We somehow think that we can do insane things like sow time and reap money, like plant time and reap money. When I, when I used to work in a church, I'd have people all the time that would say, I, I don't give money to the church. And, you know, just say, okay. I wasn't necessarily going to argue about it. They would say, instead, I tithe my time. And I'll think, well, that's that's okay. I mean, what you're doing, though, is you're planting time. You're going to receive back an amplification of the time. You always reap what you sow. You, you, you don't plant time and then assume to reap a bounty. And, I, and again, I know this teaching has been abused. It doesn't make the teaching wrong. It makes the misapplication wrong. You don't plant time and reap back money. You plant money and reap back financial blessing. 
you plant time and reap back an amplification uh, or a multiplication of your time and the effort expended in that time. You see, um, here's another one. A, a lot of people think they can sow money and reap back favor with their family. This, this is the classic businessman, workaholic excuse, okay? They say, I don't know why my wife and my kids don't love me. I, I work hard and make all kinds of money to buy these nice things for them. What have they done? They have sown money and assume sowing money would reap back favor or relationship. It doesn't. Sowing money, they sowed that money. Sowing the money reaps back more money. That's what they got. They earned more money to reap favor with their family. They would have to sow favor and extend their favor relationally to the family. One more example is, I've heard this one a lot. This one's in vogue on social media, is people say, uh, you can sow intentions. Like you can just put the idea out there to the universe and then you reap a result. No, when you sow ideas, you just get more ideas. Now those ideas, they, they might lead you to more ideas that lead you to implementing something that gets a result, but ideas reap more ideas, actions reap results. So here's the point. In the same way, we, we reap what we sow when we plant a seed in a field. We also reap what we sow when we plant something in life. So in order to re reap relationship with your family, you've got to sow relationship. In order to reap results, you've got to reap actions. Thoughts reap more thoughts. Okay, so this is maybe why David said in Psalm 28.4, Give me according to the work of my hands or give them according to the work of their hands. He wanted this amplification of what was occurring. Again, sowing and reaping is principle of creation. It works in every area of life. So you nurture the seed long enough. Okay, and it, we'll talk about this in a second. It's, it's not instantaneous, but you sow it long enough, you reap a harvest of the same thing that you sow. And thankfully, reaping a seed isn't instant. It's not instant because if it was instant, you think about this, every time we made a mistake or did something stupid or foolish or sinful or harmful to ourselves or, or someone else, particularly to someone we love, like it would be this instant uh, distasteful and uh, hurtful harvest. So the pause in the process is really a blessing. Now, now notice this, sowing and reaping, Reap what you sow, multiple areas of life. Let me, let me show you in Scripture. Grace. We'll give you, I think, I'm going to give you maybe three examples here. Grace. These are all going to be G's. Grace. People who plant grace and extend mercy to others receive a harvest of grace. You plant grace, you get grace. Proverbs 11.25. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Uh, my friend Randy, that is... Uh, one of his favorite verses. Always reminds me of him. Um, James 3.18. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is this relational word that talks about relational connection. So you plant grace, you get grace. You plant foolishness or polarizing behaviors, that's what you get back. 
Uh, point number two, giving. People who give generously are entrusted with more. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Uh, there it is. Now, it's not instant. Give, and it will be given to you. This is red letter. This is straight up Jesus talking. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely yet gains even more, while another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Okay, you see there, one person in giving, planted giving, the other person planted greed, both got back what they planted. You reap what you sow. One more example, goodness. So first one was grace, second one giving, third one goodness. We're promised that if we continue doing good, we will always reap a harvest of goodness in time. This is why Paul encouraged the church to continue dispensing goodness. In Galatians 6, 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good, for at the right time we will reap a harvest if, if, if we don't give up. So I really believe because it's a principle of creation, this sowing and reaping thing, it works when we mess up too. Not instantly, but 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 I've learned this firsthand. If you know some of my story, and if not, I'll sit down at the coffee shop and I'll talk to you about it, or I'll put it on a podcast, and or you, or you can read the book Soul Wholeness. You'll you can catch a lot of it from the free audiobook in the show notes below. Sin issues always catch up. They always take us farther than we want to go. They always extract a higher price than we wanted to pay. We always reap what we sow. But grace is the same. When you name it, drop it, move on, grace floods in. You hold on to a sin, you hide it, it creates this unbearable tension that we can't stand under. So uh, maybe a few verses on that on the whole what goes around comes around calamity in the negative sense. All right, Proverbs 22.8. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of his fury will fail. Uh, Job 4.8.9. My, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. Proverbs 1.31. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Okay, so there, there's point number one. You always reap in every area of life. You reap what you sow. What? So the second one is where. Remember, what, where, more than, after. What, where, more than, after, where. You reap where you sow. So far, farmers know this is simple. You always reap in the same field where you sowed the seed. You don't sow in this field and then reap in your garage. You don't sow in this field and then reap somewhere down the street, you sow here, you reap here, you sow there, you reap there. So, you know, this would really be one of the biggest arguments for, if you're a churchgoer, sowing your time, your energy, your effort, your finances into your local church rather than tossing it all somewhere else. Um, for, for a long, and, and I mean long, emphasis on the long season. I, I felt disconnected and disenchanted with, with church. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I'll just be clear. I hated going. 
I only went. My wife liked it. I felt my kids needed to attend somewhere rather than sleeping in. And part of my frustration, I think, this might resonate with some of you. I'd been burned by churches. Not one time, multiple times. I had been relationally dinged, financially pillaged. Uh, My gifts, I I feel, had been used by a church, extracted, and then... I mean, goodness, I write about like one of the most miserable episodes I had with an incredible church in, in the back of the advance book. You can read it and find out about it all there. Um, this gross misuse of spiritual authority. And here's here's what happened. For, for a period of a long season, I, I didn't financially give a dime to a church I was attending, in part because I was I was hurt, and I thought, well, I don't really need to give it here. Um, I, yeah, they don't need it. Come up with all these excuses; they'll just misuse it. That you know, they waste it on stupid crap. But I remember reading one day Jesus explaining to a crowd that Matthew six twenty one in the Sermon on the Mount, where where your treasure is. There is your heart, not um, the other way around. Not I love something and then I give money to the things I love. Said no, no. It's your heart is following your treasure. So mine, mine followed mine for sure. No treasure at the church meant no heart at the church. My heart was elsewhere. Now. Here's where it gets interesting to me at some point, and it's a long story that I will tell you in another time or place, just because I don't have space right here. I got it right, and I began investing treasure in that church. And, And when I did, this incredible thing happened. My passion for the people in the place, it ignited. The people weren't suddenly more perfect. The church wasn't suddenly better or transformed. Here's Here's what happened is something in me transformed, like Jesus says, because you not only reap what you sow, you also reap where you sow. And when I sowed there, I began reaping there in these intangible but radically feelable and observable ways. So apply it in other areas. This is an incredible argument for sowing time and energy in your marriage, for sowing time and energy with your children or with any part of life that you value. Remember that verse. Moses told the children of Israel, whatever you put your hand to prospers. That's Deuteronomy 15.10. So that means you put your hand to the marriage, it's going to grow. If the marriage is failing, put your hand to the marriage, it's going to And I understand it takes two to tango. I get it. Been there, done it. Been on the opposite side of it where the other person walked out. Most of the time, I don't think that's what happens. I think most of the time, people are just disconnected, both of them wanting connection, but not sure or not bold enough or brave enough because of past hurt, past pain, to just push forward together. And and again, I, I know that this has been, this sowing and reaping thing has been misused, it's been abused, but Look at the basic level. Whatever you put your hand to prospers. And I think it's simply true. 
If I invest in relationships, they'll prosper. If I invest in learning a new skill, it will prosper. If I invest in complaining, my arguments and my bitterness, you've done this. Like you start talking about your store, man, you get all fired up, bent out of shape, it prospers. If I overfocus on the gap between where I am and where I want to be, that discontentedness will prosper too. That's why it's important to keep celebrating and focusing on the gains that you've made. Again, anything you put your hand to prospers. You just got to ensure that you put your hand to the things you actually want to prosper that push you and push the plow in the direction that's heading towards your dreams. Okay, so to summarize the first two points, remember what, where, more than, and after. What, where, more than, and after. The first two points were what and where. To sow and reap a harvest, you've got to sow what you want where you want it. Let's go to point number three. Point number three is this. You always reap more than you sow. More than. Now, in the entire equation, the seed is the most powerful element. Seeds, by their very nature, they exponentially multiply. If I ask you a question, like let me just kind of pose it like this. Um, it's it's not even a trick question. It's obvious. Okay, so that's the setup. Would you rather have a truck full of seedless apples? And yeah, they've created those in the lab. A truck full of seedless apples, or would you have just one regular apple? Okay, a truck of seedless or one regular. Now, if you're a kid, you're probably going to go, man, I want the, I want the truck full. That's more. But if you are a wise adult, you realize that most apples, they contain 50 to 60 seeds. It depends on the harvest conditions. It depends on the species of the apple. But each seed in that apple represents an entire tree, not just another apple, an entire tree that every season will grow and reproduce a numerous amount of apples, each one of those apples having another set of seeds, each of those representing another entire tree that represents more apples of more entire trees. And this could go on forever. If, in fact, you think about it right now, all the seeds that we have, it's, it's not like we've created any seeds. I mean, all the trees that you see in your yard, like, I mean, these all started with one tree somewhere. And all these seeds have just kept on going because trees just keep on happening. We, we can't make a seed. Well, I guess Monsanto does. There's where the analogy breaks down. Now, think about it like this. Each seed that you plant, whether it is in your fitness, your finances, your family, the field you work, the faith that you have, the friendships that you're nurturing, the fun, the breaks that you're taking and enjoying Sabbath. Each seed has an exponential output. It's cataclysmic. And it just has this ripple effect. You know, ne never underestimate the impact of the small seed and you go, well, why? Why does it work that way? And there's no way to explain it other than to just say, this is how creation is wired. It is how God put the universe together. It is like the law of gravity. It is just, it's like the speed of sound. It's like light. It just does it because 
it does it. Final point. You don't only reap what, where, and more than you sow. You always reap after you sow. A few years ago, a friend of mine, we, we were teaching a class. We were shooting some video on financial class. And he was just talking about the power of saving and compound interest. Okay, But it, it applies to every area of life. That, that would be, by the way, another example of the power of a seed. He says there's an ancient Chinese proverb that says this. When is the best time to plant a tree? When is the best time to plant a tree? And the answer is 50 years ago. Okay, well, you think about it. You and I can't shoot back in time. We don't have one of those magical DeLoreans to go back. I mean, if if we went back 50 years, some of us wouldn't even be here. However, in the present, each passing day that we don't sow represents a day of harvest that we simply punt off and forfeit forever. In order to harvest something related to your dream three months from today, you've got to plant something now. And of course, you've got to continue tending the field where you sow. No, no farmer, no farmer invests time and effort sowing only to simply Walk away, wait a few months, and then return expecting a magical harvest. And, and no farmer expects to plant today and then see a full-blown plant materialize tomorrow. Somehow, though, we think dreams are like that. That dreams, that our health, that our finances, our marriage, that w- whatever it is that we're wanting, the, the business dream, the new venture that somehow those just manifest overnight. And I'll tell you this, to pull the idea from last episode, that kind of thinking, it really represents more of a lottery mentality that success is a lottery rather than the success is a recipe mentality. Uh, A few years ago, I've told the story before, so I won't tell it again, but I made a goal of losing at least 30, 35 pounds. I was overweight, out of shape, aging way too fast. Aging's this beautiful thing, but I was aging way too fast because I'm carrying all this extra weight and these unnecessary health issues. So I began exercising and eating right every single day with no cheat days. Um... I'd love to tell you I got immediate results, but 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 I didn't. The first day I lost a single pound, and most of it was water weight from sweating. By the end of the first week, I was down two and a half pounds. I felt tired. I was sore. I was sluggish. T- to me, my muscles actually felt more toned, but nobody could see any measurable progress on me at all. In, in fact. In truth, no one noticed anything different for another five or six weeks except for my wife. By the end of month three, though, I'd reached the goal. Uh, People I hadn't seen in a few years didn't even recognize me on multiple occasions. And I'll tell you, that's how sowing and reaping often works. You've got to commit and you've got to continue persisting even when you don't see the results. You trust the process. You lean on the plan that you create to serve your dream and then you persist knowing, like we said earlier in Galatians 6-9, don't 
grow weary in doing the good because you will. It is a promise of Scripture. You will reap the harvest. Sometimes a miracle does kick in when you move in the right direction. Amos 9.13 says there will be a day when the harvest will come in so bountifully that the reapers will actually overtake the sowers. Like somehow after we get the discipline in, I've seen that the supernatural, that providence, that God, that the creator kicks in and helps you achieve radically, immeasurably more than anything you could ask, think, or imagine. I mean, that's a promise of Scripture in Ephesians 3.20, that he does that according to the power that's in us, yet somehow first you and I have to show up. Willis, let's land it. And let me maybe give you this. One one thing that all farmers know is they're not in control of the harvest. The best thing they can do is to do everything they can do in light of the principles that we've outlined in this talk, the principles according to the law of the harvest, which is you always reap what, where, more than, and after you sow. What, where, more than, and after you sow. What, where, more than, and after you sow. A farmer knows he can't control the weather. A farmer knows that he can't control the 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 shifting seasons. A farmer knows that there are so many things that are out of his or her scope of control that ultimately they do everything they can do and then trust the results. To God. Here's, here's what we often do, though. We often get that backwards, and we often fret about things that we can't control, but then don't do anything about the things that we can. We fret about rebuilding a relationship or building a relationship. So we fret about we can't control what they'll do. And so we don't do anything as opposed to doing what we can do and just going all in. When it comes to business, we fret about the market conditions or fret about, well, we don't know if the advertising or all this other stuff will work or how people respond, yet we don't do the work that we can do. When it comes to health, yeah, there's so many factors out there. We think about our genetics or we think about all these other things that we can't control, but we don't go all in with the things the things that we can. The goal, I think, is for you and I to show up to be faithful, doing the best with what we can control and trusting the rest of the Lord. In the same way a farmer drops good seed into the ground and hopes for the best, I can sow, you can sow positive, healthy actions and lean in to providence. Lean in to the Creator and trusting that He is for us, not against us, and trusting that if we who are fallen and imperfect know how to bless our kids with good gifts. Jesus said that. How much more will your heavenly Father bless you? Do you see? That's the law of the harvest. 
Don't burden yourself with more. Commit yourself to doing the work of sowing what, where, so that you can reap more than and after. My encouragement to you is to download the app to get access to the free audiobook, to listen to the podcast there on the app and the audiobook resources, to take advantage of the free planner. All of the links for that are in the show notes below. As I sign off, as I do each episode, my prayer for you is that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that he'd be gracious to you, that he would shine his face of radical favor upon you, that he would give you the freedom emotionally to control only what you can control. And so the actions that you need to sow every single day, leaning into that mentality that it's like a recipe, it's not like a lottery ticket. So do the work that you need to do every single day in each of those key areas of life, but entrust the results to providence. Trust your good heavenly Father, knowing that He is for you that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the one who's able to do immeasurably more above all we can ask, think, or imagine, has promised you, as Deuteronomy 15 says, that whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Grace and peace. I'll see you again next time.